Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Hello. 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 How are you? Uh, good. I sounded partly Scottish there. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> hello there. I don't know. That doesn't sound Not very much good. like my grand. You, you would think. I know. You would think with this growing up with a Scottish nana, like literally off the boat, mm-hmm. that I would have a better accent. I don't. I don't. Lots of stuff coming up in this episode of After Nine, and there's a few things in the news that I kind of want to go over. Number one, are are we under attack? Because it seems oh. like the cyber criminals mm-hmm. are after us like crazy. And the reason I bring it up is we heard about the attack on SickKids Hospital. Yeah, that's right. And and those hackers were quite ethical because they came out and said, hey, listen, we uh, we have like different groups that are kind of loosely affiliated with us. They aren't us, but they, we all play by the same rules and they were not authorized to attack at Children's Hospital. So we're sorry. Here's the key to mm-hmm. unlock your data. And I thought that that was very, very kind of them to do. And it was the right thing to do. But now the LCBO's internal systems are down. They're calling it a cyber incident, just waiting to find out how much of my personal information has been compromised this time. They don't even want to use the word attack anymore. Like, it is an attack. It is an attack. Like, unless somebody on that end, like, accidentally hit a button, that's that's an incident or something. But no, this this sounds like an attack. (laughs) And then in the U.S., all the flights, as we record right now, all the flights are grounded. All domestic departures cannot take off. Full ground stop because there was an internal issue with the system that alerts pilots to potential issues along their way. So I'm glad, I mean, the FAA made the right choice by doing that, but the ripple effect that's going to have on Canadian flights as well today, that's pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. All flights grounded? I don't think that's happened since 9-11. Yeah, it's, it's scary, though. You know, it's scary because you don't, when you don't really know the reasons why, and I, underst- I do understand from a security standpoint why you don't just tell everybody everything in the moment as it happens. You kind of wait, compile the information, but it's still a scary thing. When it has to do with airlines, like I don't know if it's a little PTSD from September, 11th but anything to do with planes and airlines it could just be a money thing absolutely i almost hope that that is the case right yep. wouldn't you rather i'd rather you the hacker uh want to steal all of that information than anything else it could potentially be now of course we're just we're just spitting some thoughts here but i have noticed lately you mentioned it i mean sick kids and this even on the smaller scale you and i have a Facebook page that we're considering getting rid of just because of the fact that there's so many scammy Facebook pages imitating Scott and myself asking for your information, pretending you won a prize. I feel like it's getting worse and worse and worse, isn't it? And the people who run the biggest platforms seem to be helpless to stop it. Facebook, I don't think they know what to do with all the scams that are going on on their own platform. It's almost like they've thrown their hands in the air and said, fuck it, pretend it's not happening. Mm Mm-hmm. It's uh, yep. It's scary stuff, but there's uh, a couple other things in the news that I'd love to get your take on. We'll talk about justice in just a sec, but this one I feel like is going to be uh, one that people are discussing. The Ontario Court of Appeal has overturned what were believed to be the first convictions in Canada of first-degree murder of a person who failed to disclose they were HIV positive and had unprotected sex with mm-hmm. other people. So this guy was convicted in 2009, two counts of first-degree murder in the death of two sexual partners. He transmitted HIV. They died. 
There were 10 counts of aggravated sexual assault, meaning he had unprotected sex, but they're not dead yet, and one count of attempted aggravated assault. This guy was declared a dangerous offender, which comes with an indefinite sentence. The appeal court overturned the first-degree murder convictions and replaced them with manslaughter convictions because of incorrect jury instructions by the trial judge. Uh-oh. It is first-degree murder, right? Oh, he purposely did this. Yeah, he yeah. had HIV, didn't tell anybody, had yeah. sex with the partners, yeah. and those people died from yeah. HIV. Yeah. It's you, He knew what he was doing. Absolutely. So, I mean, in a case like this, is there anywhere in the law where common sense can prevail, where this appeals court could say, all right, listen, even if they did give not quite the best jury instructions, it doesn't change the fact that this guy still did it. Nearest I can tell, there's at least 13 victims here and two people died. We're going to leave the conviction as is. And, and whether it's right to the letter of the law is irrelevant because we know he did it. The trial was fine. It was just the jury instructions that were at issue here. Leave this fucking guy on first-degree murder charges. Mm-hmm. Now nobody is, is, everybody could potentially be impacted by this. We need to have confidence that if somebody does something with the intent of hurting someone else, that they're going to get punished. Yeah. I mean, hence, like, and manslaughter is the opposite of that. Yes, you killed someone, but there's reason to believe you didn't plot it out. There's every reason to believe this guy knew what he was doing, potentially doing it purposely. But either way, knowing that you have this and are giving it to others, it's, uh, that's, that's too bad. Over instructions. So stupid. There was a car crash that happened in 2021. I believe it was in the spring of 2021. And it happened where we do our FM radio show. It was in Waterloo Region in North Dumfries. Here's what happened. Mom and three kids were driving when their vehicle got hit by an SUV that blew a stop sign. A 12-year-old boy named Evan was pronounced dead on the scene. A 10-year-old girl was in a coma from that crash and later died a few days later in hospital. The driver pled guilty to careless driving causing death. But here's the thing. He was 17 at the time of the crash. Even though now he's 19, it took that long for this to wind its way through the court systems, so he's still protected under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. His sentence for killing a 12-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl and injuring others? Two years of probation, 200 hours of community service, a small fine, and a three-year driving ban. Mm-hmm. It's not justice, is it, right? Like, this is a dead 12-year-old boy and a dead 10-year-old girl, a family ripped apart that will be traumatized for the rest of their lives and have to live with that grief. This guy, once he's done his 200 hours of community service and he can't drive till he's 22, but then everything goes back to normal. I know we're not all perfect. And that when we did talk about this earlier, um, you know, people, uh, most people text in saying, yeah, the sentencing is outrageous. This person killed these kids from because he was not paying attention. He admitted he wasn't paying attention. But there were some texters I was surprised saying, look, and then maybe there's people listening who feel this way too. Because maybe you've been in an accident. Maybe you've been involved in an accident where you weren't paying attention. And we, we're all not perfect, like I said. Right. But there were texters saying things like, 
Yeah, I mean, let the guy have another chance. He's obviously going to learn a very, very serious lesson. Maybe he's going to be pretty screwed up from this. Maybe after that ban, he won't even want to drive again. We don't know what he's going through. He's going to have to live with this, et cetera, et cetera. So they believe that. In other words, they believe that that sentencing is appropriate. Really? It surprises me. It it really does surprise me because I think jail time would make that true. A little jail time, even a little jail time would make that true. Yep. He would have so much experience of what it's like to be behind bars. He would never do that again. And yes, again, I understand we all do shit behind the wheel when we shouldn't. Or we've done it, right? Maybe we don't do it now, but we have at one point or another. There's consequences to the decisions that we make, though. And if we make a choice to drive carelessly, mm-hmm. and, and this kid, I, I believe, if memory serves... This was, uh, there was originally a charge of distracted driving. And I don't think the Crown was able to actually prove, prove that yeah. he was on his phone. That's right. But it's generally sort of assumed that for the accident to happen the way it happened, it's highly likely he probably mm-hmm. was distracted. That choice he made killed a 10-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. You know, they had their whole lives ahead of them. This family is ripped apart. There's a sibling that is now an only child because their two olders were killed. And, and you know, I just can't help but think that a three-year driving ban and 200 hours of community service and a small fine makes up for that. And, and you know, those people that are saying things like, oh, he's probably learned his lesson. Well, he'll probably never do that again. Or those who argue it's good that he was charged under the Youth Criminal Justice Act because, you know, we have to differentiate between youth and adult when it comes to crimes. I don't know why we're even having that debate until we've actually thoroughly debated the victims and how they feel. And they're just never going to be able to get their lives back. And this guy will basically be able to walk away like this never happened mm-hmm. in three years. And that makes me a little sick to my stomach, yeah. to be honest with you. Same here. And and we could we could recount dozens. That's the sad part. Dozens of cases similar to this where it just doesn't seem right. Kat, you likely recall, and it wasn't that long ago. We were having serious conversations about whether or not we should legalize cannabis. Mm-hmm. Well, in the same way that we had that conversation then, and it did work out, cannabis was legalized. If you're one of our many listeners in, in Europe or Australia or the United States or South America, thank you for listening to After 9. I don't know how you found us, but thank you. <laughs> we have legal cannabis here. You can walk into government-licensed stores And you can buy pre-rolls, you can buy flour, you can buy seeds and grow your own, you can get edibles, you can get vapes, you can get just about anything, and it's perfectly legal to consume. (laughs) i got tabs under the tongue now, too. Well, now, really? Like the Listerine strips? Yeah, basically. How quickly do those kick in? Very. Really? Yeah. I like that. Very. Hmm. I, I have never used one, I should preface that by saying, but I was told that by the person who worked there and knows what they're talking about. Advocates are calling on the federal government to now regulate magic mushrooms, and widen their availability for medical use. Thomas Hartle was among the first Canadians to get a federal medical exemption to use the psychoactive compound found in mushrooms to treat symptoms of his stage 4 colon cancer. He and other advocates have filed a legal challenge that calls on the feds to regulate psilocybin so that patients seeking it out for medical use can get it legally. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that they justified legalizing cannabis in this country was they finally acknowledged that there may possibly, maybe, be some 
medical benefits for it. There could be some health benefits for it. And that was what helped push it over the hump. I'm hearing a lot of people making a real case for magic mushrooms have a lot of the same appeals. And it's not, I mean, this is new to a lot of people, but this has been around for a long time. And I know that more recently, we're going to hear a lot more from Prince Harry, who's been talking about it a little bit too, and using that to cope with all kinds of different things. There is a big push, especially for those who um, suffer from PTSD, that apparently this is very helpful for. We actually have a a mutual friend, a buddy that is in this field. So it'd be good to maybe try to get him on to talk about it um, as this becomes more of a a highlight for people um, in the news. Because I think that there's a lot of misconception when it comes to it. People just think, oh, you're sitting there, you're hallucinating for hours. It's not the case. And there's microdosing, right? Like there's a whole, this is like, there's a whole world to, to really learn about it. So I hope nobody like judges right away without really learning the entire world of what this is and what it can be. I'm really curious about it. I don't know how it works. I also don't really know how cannabis works, to be honest with you, but I can at least acknowledge that just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not true or that there isn't benefits to it. Mm-hmm. If they're if they gave a medical exemption to someone with stage four colon cancer, I have to assume that that person was going through a lot of shit physically and mentally, and it helped. Why should they have to go to the underground market and buy it from God knows who when it's laced with God knows what or whatever the concern is over mushrooms? If this can help people, then let's expedite this process. Let's get her done. And if we have to legalize it, then let's legalize it or decriminalize it or make it medically exempt from criminal charges. I think that there's a lot of ways we can go, but I do think lawmakers need to take this seriously. There are a lot of people that, especially in Canada, are pushing for this, and Russell Peters is one of those. And the company that I spoke of that one of our mutual friends, Todd, is a part of is called called Red Light Holland. And they are kind of behind this, and there's a whole group of people that are uh, kind of learning more about how it can be used. But if you want to look it up, anyway, you can Google Russell Peters and Red Light Holland, and you'll see more. Because actually the way Russell Peters explained it once, it was on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's when I listened to it, and I learned a little bit about it. So I am not a pro in the field. I really don't know a lot of details, but he did describe it, and it is quite interesting. Like I said, I think it's really easy to judge when you say something about legalizing mushrooms, but hang on, there's a lot more to it. You know, and I think people also confuse it because we got legalized cannabis, and that was a big step for a lot of people. I still think back to the time when we were debating it, and there was all those people that were screaming at the top of their lungs, oh, the drunk driving or the high driving, and it's going to be catastrophic for society, and society is just fine. Arguably, it made things a little better for a lot of people. So that was all doom and gloom for no reason, and I feel like people will probably try the same shit here, but I think some of those people are confusing that with the push to either legalize or decriminalize opioids and other illicit drugs. The point being, we can't stop the underground market, so we might as well make sure that there's a safe supply. Now, are we going to eventually see a time when you can walk into a licensed store and buy yourself a bag of cocaine? I don't know if it's going to come to that, but don't confuse that with Mm -hmm. the mushroom debate, which actually has medicinal benefits. Mm -hmm. Curious to hear the latest predictions for the housing market? Oh, actually, yes, I really am. Yeah. A week from today, we will get an announcement from the Bank of Canada, and it's now almost a certainty that despite when he said we're at the end of the cycle back in December, Tiff Macklem is going to raise rates again. And most people figured, okay, if he does, it's going to be another small increase and then we're done. No, because the jobs numbers were so good last week, if you believe those, that it's probably going to be at least a half point interest rate hike again. Again. Eight straight. 
So the housing market outlook from TD Economics is predicting Canadian home sales and prices are going to hit the bottom early this year. They predict home sales for the entire year are going to drop to their lowest level since 2001. Really? Due to the poorest affordability level since the late 80s and early 90s, before they return to positive territory next year. Homeowners will not be happy to hear TD is predicting a 20% drop in housing on top of how much it's already dropped. It'll be particularly hard on the Maritimes, BC, and Ontario. Interesting. I'm trying to think of how much houses in my area, like just in general, have gone down in value. Take them down another 20%, and they're still not any more affordable for the average person because of the interest rates and the stress test, but those homes have lost so much value that if you have to sell, you're kind of fucked. The people who bought them recently, yes. I it's, heard it's, it was so different a few years ago, though, because I bought my house like three years ago. And I'm telling you, it the market was so different. I find the house price is still really high in some like some places I I, I was looking at with uh, my sister in law. I'm looking around going, really, this is what this is fetching or, or asking for. And the realtor who's very knowledgeable was like, yeah, they'll probably get about that. And I thought, really? Um, so for like for me, it's still quite inflated from three years ago, but we all know that a lot has happened between um, then and now in terms of it rising so much. And so those people who bought at those peak times, that's where you're going to see that decrease a lot. I was listening to Alex Pearson yesterday. She does the uh, late morning segment on AM640 in Toronto. It's a talk radio station. She had a guest on that was talking about the housing market and the economy in general. And he actually had a really good tip that it's probably worth passing on. He said, if you're getting to a point where you are just stretched as far as you can stretch, you are, the mortgage rates are going up. You've got your credit card bills. You've got your line of, your line of credit interest Mm -hmm. and all that sort of shit. Maybe a car loan too. He said, the worst thing you can do is default on your mortgage. He said, if you have to default on anything, Don't pay your credit card bills. And he said, credit cards are an unsecured line of credit. If you don't pay your credit card bill, it's not like they're going to come and take your car. It's not like they're going to come and and, uh, garnish your bank account. I mean, eventually, maybe down the line, years from now, they could take you to court and do that. But in the meantime, he said, default on your credit card, even though it's got the higher interest than anything, Hmm. because if you have to default on your home, that turns into a shitty situation. He also said that your home, your car, those things are secured lines of credit. If you don't pay your car loan, they can come and repo your car. So right. pay off those ones. Don't worry as much about the unsecured ones. And he said uh, when it comes to protecting yourself from repo, which is a big concern right now, there was a stat yesterday that tens of thousands of Canadians are going to start defaulting on their mortgage very soon. He said, protect yourself, worry about the credit aspect of it later. You can rebuild your credit, but if you default on a mortgage, that puts you in a negative light for a long time to come. So do everything you can to pay that off and don't worry as much about the other stuff. Uh, Back to drugs for just a second, (laughs) although this one's not necessarily a drug. Um, The British Columbia government. What's up to our friends out in BC? Oh, I love BC. We have a lot of listeners out there. Every now and again when they send us the reports, it's really interesting to see how many people on the left coast listen to After 9. A survey amongst BC residents has found most cannabis users like the idea of allowing cannabis consumption 
in certain public spaces, such as at special events or businesses where marijuana is sold. The report says there may be at least 750,000 people in BC interested in visiting cannabis consumption spaces. That would be the equivalent of a bar. You go into a bar and that is a alcohol consumption site. They'd like to see services or businesses where you can go in and get high. Now, public health and safety stakeholders say they've got concerns that cannabis... Everyone and al- always has concerns right away. Anyway, go ahead. Because people don't like change. Nobody likes change. They said the same thing when alcohol was brought into, you know, pl- anywhere, it's, restaurants. It's true. Now, they say that if you're going to do that, you can't do it in the same places that you already have alcohol because people might mix the two of them, and that could lead to a potential risk of impaired driving. Well, I mean, I don't actually disagree with the dangers of mixing that. I don't, because that really t- can turn into it, depending on the person. I know every body is different, but hey, if you want to smoke up at this place, then go home and drink, do it. It's on you. But to sell both at the same time, I could see how that could be a little dangerous, because that mix is pretty intense. Isn't that a solvable problem, though? I mean, the server will ask you, are you here to, to get high, or are you here for alcohol? Oh, you have to pick one or the other. Yeah, you can pick your lane, or maybe there's a separate room for the smokers, because I know that the drinkers might not necessarily want to be around no. the, the smokers, or whatever it is they're no, doing. The I'd rather order or... like a, a cake. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Give me a laced coffee. I'd rather take one of those. Are you into it, though? Could you see yourself going to a bar essentially but you're just going for the edible or the the whatever no not at all i wouldn't go i don't think it's for me either but i do kind of like the idea of having a choice uh the other one that comes to mind too is golf courses Mm -hmm. every golfer i know will usually have some pre-rolls or edibles or something in their golf bag and it's weird to them to me to everybody that you can go to a golf course and they've got a whole cart just driving around filling you full of booze but nope, you can't buy a, a pre-roll. You yeah. can't buy anything else. Yeah, that's right. And that's frustrating to a lot of people sure. who would like to have a choice. So interesting debate. We're not having it here in Ontario yet, but we soon will be. Down in America, the Mega Millions jackpot. Their jackpots are next oh, level. jackpots are Oh my insane. God, I love it. For the 25th straight time since mid-October... Nobody won the jackpot last night in the Mega Millions. So the jackpot on Friday night is $1.35 billion. Could you, um, I mean, I know what a silly thing to say, but just honest to goodness in this moment, picture yourself winning that. You would go from one day being, you know, whatever you're doing, a nine to fiver, just some person in some city doing your thing. To next thing you know, you could just have a yacht. You want a yacht? Have a yacht. Here's here's a here's a little uh, here's a little island you can buy. You know, like to have that kind of power in mm-hmm. one winning ticket. Just all of a sudden, you're in a different. You're on a way different level than the rest of the world. Yeah. You're in that what? What is it? Less than one percent, I guess, that'd be in the billionaire club. Mind you, the taxes on that are stupid. I bet. I bet you're not even a billionaire after taxes. Not even close. No, and that's the thing. Uh, you wouldn't make nearly that much, but I mean, that is retirement money. <laughs> You don't say. Okay, but listen, if you win just a, a lotto 649 here, max prize on the 649 is $5 million. Now, you could win maybe, in theory, a little more with the gold ball, but for the 649, it's $5 million. I don't think if I won $5 million, I could retire. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But that's also because I feel like, I mean, you'd have more flexibility in life. 
Luckily, we like what we do. You know how many people would be like, nah, they, they quit their job for sure. There's some people who See, would quit their job if they won 500 grand. Yeah, yeah, it's no doubt. See, I would I would absolutely still work. And Dave never believes us when we say, our boss never believes us when we say stuff like that. But I really would because I would use that money to help other people around me sure. before I would just take that all and be like, okay, hey, I'm quitting everything for life. So you would Sitting li- around all day would make me go batty. I would be a batshit crazy lady for the rest of my life if I stopped working. I mean, I could pick up hobbies, I suppose, but nah. So if you won five, uh, you won a good sized jackpot, you could live off of it. You'd continue to work, but your salary would be basically allocated to helping out like members of your family or friends? Oh, absolutely. I think that I would take that route. Yeah. I would keep doing what I'm doing as long as I was happy doing it. Huh. If you want a little behind the scenes on Kat, she did another TikTok yesterday. It was good. Oh, yeah. The, my little bit. Listen, it's not. I am not a producer of TikTok videos, even though my voice is all over the app. You be you. Some people are surprised to know that I'm still learning things. However, I get messages from people who find out I'm in radio. And really, this is geared towards those who kind of fo- started following me on TikTok. By the way, there's probably some new podcast listeners as well who found out that we have a podcast. So what's up? Um, anyway, so I decided <laughs> because a lot of people were asking about radio, they were very curious about it. So I did a little behind the scenes on TikTok. I did repost to my Instagram, although I know if you're an Instagram follower of me, you likely know that I'm in radio. Uh, but that was more geared toward my TikTok followers, who I just received a bunch of stats on because of a company that I'm working for. So they do like an analytics dig. So a lot of uh, US outside of it too, a, a ton around the world. So they don't know. So I just kind of gave a little behind the scenes as to what life is like in radio. It's very just a small picture, right? Because every day is so different. We're coming to, uh, up to time here, but there's two more things I want to talk about. Something that came up on our FM oh, radio. Voice of Cat. I should mention that. Sorry. If maybe you're curious to see it. Voice of Cat. Cat, cat with K. Okay. Guy, here's the scenario. Guy's gone to Reddit and he's asking, am I an asshole? And I thought that this might be open and shut, but it turns out it's not. Mm-hmm. This guy got a Christmas bonus of about 1300 bucks. Oh, this is a good one, guys. Listen to this. Every year he gets about... $1,000 to $1,300 bonus around Christmas time from his work. His wife, who is a stay-at-home mom, usually gets a gift from her parents around the Christmas time of about the same amount. It's 1000 to 1300 bucks. This year, because of the economy, money's tight for a lot of people, mm-hmm. the parents did not give their daughter, the stay-at-home mom, and this man's wife didn't give her the money. So the wife has gone to her husband and said, yeah, yeah, I know that we agreed. You get your work bonus. You keep it for you. I get the money from my parents. I keep that for me. That's sort of our fun money for the next few months or for the next year even, 100 bucks a month, basically. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get it from my parents, so you got to split your bonus from work with me. Mm -hmm. And this guy's like, no, no, that's not how it works. I get my work bonus. That's my work bonus. You get that money from your parents. That's your money from your parents. And that's what you use if you want to, I don't know, go do a spa day. If you want to uh, uh, go out with friends, whatever. We don't pull out of the joint money that goes into the house and the bills and the kids. That's just our money. Just because you didn't get yours doesn't mean I have to give you half of mine. Now, technically... The definition of marriage is that you should give half, but that's not always the case. And it's not black and white. They did have something different going on for years. It just didn't work out that way this year for her. So the guy asks, am I an asshole? Most of the comments said, yes, you're an asshole. You should give half that money to your wife. When we put it out there this morning, two things came up. Number one, 
we as a, a people, morning listening group or evening radio listening group, do not agree. And on top of that, a lot of people have different setups in their relationships yes. than you may be used to. That's the most interesting thing I, I find when we, whenever we have a story like this or similar, talking about finances especially, because very interesting. There are people who strongly agree one way or the other. There's people who believe you pool all your money and that's it. Nobody should have a separate account. There's others who have been married for 20, 30 years that have separate accounts and maybe a joint account. So everyone is so different. Now, in this case, I would love to know, do we know the age of the kids? This stay-at-home mom. We don't know, but I do believe they are both at least in school in some capacity. It might be even kindergarten, but they do go to school. Okay, interesting. I find that interesting. Okay, so aside from that and the questions that I will have that is not going to be a popular opinion or one that people like a lot at all, I think, um, because I think if kids are in school full-time, why, why aren't, is she not working at all, like doing anything? I don't think so. It says she's a stay-at-home mom. Okay, well, that's their choice as a couple. And for me, marriage is 50-50, but I don't just mean financially, right? We know that there's 50-50 in everything. Maybe she does, and I, I would certainly hope so if she stays at home. She does everything around the house. She maybe is in charge of paying the bills, cleaning everything, doing everything. And just because she doesn't have a salary, a job, and a bonus that you, one would you know, look at and say, yes, you work at this place here doesn't mean that she doesn't earn something or should get something special. Her parents giving her something special? That's interesting. Never heard of that before. But okay. Really? Your parents never give you money? Not a set amount? No. They're not like, here's here's your yearly 1500 No. I actually get $0 from my parents, and I wouldn't want anything from my parents. I'm a 36-year-old woman with, with a job. I've, I haven't received anything from my parents. They gave us a wedding gift, but I would not ever expect that. See, I I'm a grown-ass woman. I send money to my kids all the time just to be nice. I sent my—actually, you'll like this one. I just sent my son this morning during one of our commercial breaks— 50 bucks. And the deal was go and get me 25 bucks worth of Mega Millions tickets for Friday night. Take the rest. Go buy a case of beer and order a pizza. Yeah. See, my parents never, never, never did that. But it taught me to earn my own money. Mm -hmm. And now I feel I'm a successful person because of it. So that's I like that. I'm going to stop sending money to my kids. I love it. You you do you, though. (laughs) This is what I mean by there's such a everybody has such a different view of what relationships look like and how money plays into it. And there's strong opinions, right? Because we heard from people today and I know there's people listening in various situations who say you know um absolutely split it with her and then others who say well but it what but he did work for it and do whatever was required to earn that bonus um she's not owed anything others just say happy wife happy life dude just give it to her um so I mean we're all gonna have different opinions on it we really are I would love to know a little more about the dynamic before I fully give my opinion um, but my gosh, if, if this money is seriously holding him back in life and he needs this 1300 whole dollars for himself, then he can go ahead and continue to say, no, it's mine, but it, it, it's your wife. Maybe you can at least take her out to a nice dinner or, or take her shop, whatever she likes, right? A spa shopping, whatever she's into, just well, say, you know what? I'll treat you to this. And maybe that's a good compromise. And that would come out of her half or his half? No halves. I'm saying no halves, Okay. but he treats her to something. So maybe that means 300, $400 of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily half. So if she stays at home, I'm going to assume he does. He brings in at least the vast majority of the household income. Is that a fair assumption? I, yes. I assume so. And I'm guessing by the way he's written this, that probably what the, the rule is, is that set aside the money that's for the monthly bills and the mortgage and the groceries and the kids sports and all that sort of stuff. And then if we get any extra money along the way, 
your money's your money, my money's my money. I've been in relationships like that, and I actually didn't mind it that much. If that's the case, and she just didn't get her money, maybe she's not a stay-at-home mom. Maybe she actually has a job. If he got a bonus and she didn't get one at her work, would anybody expect him to give her half of his bonus? Just because they're in a marriage doesn't necessarily mean that they have to split it. I'll flip it around. Uh, If he didn't get his work bonus, which is just as plausible, it was a rough year for a lot of businesses, and she did get the money from her parents, not a single person would say, oh, well, he didn't get his work bonus, so you should give him half the money you got from your parents. I don't think that's true that not a single person would say that. I don't think that's true at all. Really? I don't think that a single... No. I think there'd be people that say... If he didn't get his bonus and you and your parents gave you that, yeah, why don't you talk about going on a trip together or using it at least? Not you don't have to like split the cash, I suppose. My question is: Is there a struggle right now with for her with money? Does she does that mean that money that she didn't get from her parents? Again, I don't get that, but that's fine. Um, does that money that she gets from her parents change her life, or does she need it? Is that her monthly whatever uh, massage and this and that that she does? Is she missing out on something or is there a struggle to get those things if she didn't have that money? I mean, those are, again, these are questions and details I I need before I fully judge the situation. Interesting. Uh, It's a good conversation. You can weigh in on that or anything else you want. Just shoot us a DM and we will get back to you as quickly as we can. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for listening to After 9. Another new episode coming out tomorrow and it looks like possibly on Friday, Dave will make a rare two weeks in a row appearance on the pod. Looky there. Can't wait. Have a great one, friends. Babies R Us, which went out of business in 2018, is opening a new flagship mall store. Which is crazy, because the mall didn't even know it was expecting a Babies R Us. You know, Prince Harry's royal memoir came out, and it is a tell-all to the most extreme degree. Harry covers uh, his mother, his stepmother's brother, sister-in-law, especially his father, the king, who Harry says carried what uh, he described as a pitiful teddy bear everywhere he go. He still carries his teddy bear is something Charles has had since his traumatic days in boarding school where he was bullied, probably for carrying a teddy bear. But <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw a new study that said the noise from a ship can disrupt crabs while they're trying to mate. Or as crabs call it, getting yacht blocked. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.